0: Hi, I'm Dan and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. So today I want to wrap up this series of messages that I've been doing here through the month of December that I've entitled, When God Shows Up. And we've talked about different aspects of of what it means when God showed up through the Christ child, what that promised to us, what that brought to us. And and I just thought that it would be good for us to kind of wrap it all up uh, by reviewing some of the important truths that came out of the Christmas story that we talked about and and to see how God wants to move among us in 2018. Now, probably a lot of you also had your kids in. We had our kids in for, for Christmas and uh, they, they all left after church in their church in Kansas City uh, last Sunday morning, and they drove here. Uh, and so our, our youngest daughter, Christy and Pastor Matt, many of you remember them. They were on staff here for a number of years. Um, they arrived about 5 a.m. Christmas morning. And so I made Carrie get up and greet them. Uh, no, that's not true. I, I got up and greeted them too. We welcomed them in, got them settled, and got them into their bedrooms so that they could have a place to uh, to sleep. And then our, our oldest daughter got in somewhere around 6.30 that uh, Christmas morning, and we did the same with him. welcomed him, in, got them sit, situated and into their rooms and everything. It was just really a great week of having uh, fellowship together as family. And then, uh, They left, one couple left on Friday, drove all the way back, and the other couple left yesterday, drove all the way back, and they all made it safely, and we're just so very, very grateful to the Lord. So it was just a really, really wonderful time that we had. Now, it was a real challenge for us. Some of you know that we sold our our larger home last summer to downsize. And uh, we downsized into a condo that's about half the size, maybe a little bit less than half the size of what our house was. And so it's fine in terms of size for Carrie and me and our dog and our cat. You know, it works out really great. But when you all of a sudden add 10 more people and one more dog, now we're talking about, you know, we're, you're going to either love family or hate family when, when by the time it's all over, I'm grateful that we loved our family when they walked out. However, we are glad they're gone. So I, I, not really if you're watching online, I'm, I don't, no, I'm just kidding, you know, we miss them already, but it was wonderful having them here, but it was really tight. But Carrie did her usual great job of providing for us, making sure we all had our place to to uh, sleep and enough food to eat and everything and we just loved our time together well I was thinking about that because I was listening to a radio commercial that happened just before Christmas and or at least that 's when I heard it just before Christmas time maybe two or three or four days before Christmas and I heard it several times and this is sort of what it said it said that Christmas is all about family Christmas is all about family and I realized that that's 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 a a non-threatening way of talking about Christmas, non-threatening way of thinking about Christmas in our really secular society in which we live today. But, you know, that's just not true. Christmas is not all just about family. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about God sending his son to take on the form of flesh and give us a way out of our sin problem through the death and resurrection of his son. That's what Christmas is about. I once saw a painting of the Christ child in the manger. And in this particular painting, he was in a stable that was made out of wood that had a window. And in, in the window, there were panes and the panes of the window, the, the, the cross pieces of the window, formed the shadow of a cross as the moonlight came in and, and, and fell across the manger of the Christ child, laying in that manger. There was the shadow of the cross with the thought being by the artist that from the day he was born, he was born to die. He was born to die because of our sin, we have been born, we're going to die also if Jesus doesn't come before that. We all know that. We are going to also die. That's the only way of exiting this planet is, is through physical death. But our death comes because of our sin. He was sinless, never committed a sin because he was God in the flesh. And he never violated his nature. He never violated his word. And so therefore he was totally sin, he didn't die because of his sin like you and I will. He died because of our sin. But the good news is that makes a way out for us when we do die physically, we never die spiritually. We go to be with him if we've made him savior and Lord of our lives. That's the message of Christmas. Christmas has woven into it the message of salvation and the cross, but you don't hear much about that anymore. You know, one of the things that, that we, we, well, one of the things I've noticed, we don't sing the Christmas carols much anymore, and there probably are a variety of reasons for that, but I will tell you, that, and this is just me personally, I don't have a problem with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I don't have a problem with I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, you know. Uh, I kind of have a problem with Jingle Bell Rock. I don't really get into that one much at all. But um, I don't necessarily have a problem or I think that those things are wrong. It's just that it just gets to be a, a bit much when you're listening to the radio and all the songs that they play are those kinds of secular songs that have nothing to do with the real reason, or when you go to the mall, all the songs you hear being played are are nothing more than those types of songs. I, I mean, I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus as fun, but after a while, it just becomes a little worrisome for me. It gets old to me. The Christmas carols, on the other hand, are what really trigger it for me, primarily because I have a relationship with God and they have deep meaning to what they say. And I think probably in our secular society, we don't wanna be reminded of the depth of meaning that the Christmas carols refer to, oftentimes. Now, I was thinking about that as it relates to just one particular Christmas carol, one that you all know, at least you know the first verse of it, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And it has a depth of theology and of spiritual teaching to it, that really we, we are missing out on not singing it much anymore. I mean, we'll sing it here, but as a society, we don't sing it out in the world, so you won't hear it much anymore. But this is how the song goes. Like I said, most of you know the, the, the first uh, uh, line of it. Why don't you go ahead and pop, pop that up there. There we go. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Now, there's a problem right there. Because everybody wants to think that they're okay with God. This song implies right there that we got a problem. That we have to be reconciled to God. If you have to be reconciled to God, it means you're separated from him. And we don't want to think that. We want to think that as Americans, as long as we pay our taxes and, you know, we're good neighbors and we don't kick the dog, that we're, we're on our way to heaven. That, that's basically all that, that it's required. But the Bible is full of the truth that we've gotta be reconciled to God because we've got a problem. So the first verse gives us a little bit of a problem. The rest of it's pretty easy for us to to sing, even in in a a secular society. Joyful of the nations rise, join the triumph skies. Angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Now I wanna take you to the third verse of that Christmas carol. And it says here, come desire of nations come, fix in us thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, Bruise in us the serpent's head, Adam's likeness now a face, stamp thine image in its place, second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. I'm going to leave that up there for just a minute because I would rather imagine that if you're newer in Christ, this, this verse is maybe a little confusing to you. And it could be that even if you've walked with God for a while, you may not fully understand what that's talking about because it's got a depth of teaching and theology about it that that needs to be embraced and needs to be understood. So let me just go through that real quickly and just break it down and, and look at it. First of all, it says, come, desire nations, come. Here it's talking about Jesus Christ. And the songwriter said, come, desire of nations, come. Why did he say that? It's because that's how the Bible refers to Jesus. He's the desire of the nations. Why would Jesus be the desire of the nations? You you know, you, you listen to most politicians, it doesn't sound like Jesus is the desire of the nations. It doesn't sound like Jesus would be the answer in their thinking anyway. But in reality, that's exactly the truth. Because we have been making a mess out of our relationships as, as people, whether it's, it's national relationships, or racial relationships, or ethnic relationships, or, or, or whatever. We've been in conflict with one another for years and years and years. And, and uh, well, ever since it began, pretty much, we've been in conflict with one another. I mean, right now we have this issue going on with North Korea, you know, that everybody's nervous about. And we got issues going on with Russia that people are nervous about. And we got issues going on with uh, Iran that people are all nervous. I mean, we got this conflict amongst nations. The answer to all of this is none other than the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the songwriter said, come, please come, Lord, into our nations and our national um, our, our, our national discourse and our our national relationships with other countries and nations. That's the only hope that we have, is is for for Jesus to come back. I mean, the whole world hates Israel right now. The only hope Israel has is for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and their surrender to Him as the true Messiah of the Jews and of the whole world, for that matter. And so the cry of the songwriter is, "Come." desire of nations come. We don't know we need you, but we need you desperately in our lives. So that's speaking of Christ. And then it says, fix in us thy humble home. That's speaking of us being born again and giving a home for God to dwell in. In the Old Testament, God dwelt in temples. The New Testament, there's no need of temples. No need of temples. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 6 says, we who are born again believers have become the temple of God. The spirit of God lives within us. And we humble ourselves before God and we ask him to come to be within us. And then it says, rise the woman's conquering seed. This is a reference to Jesus from Matthew, not Matthew, but Genesis chapter 3, where it's talking about after the fall of, of Adam and Eve, after they sinned, and the serpent, Satan, was in the form of a serpent, and he deceived Adam and Eve, and they fell. They they disobeyed God. They rebelled, and so the spirit of rebellion has been in us uh, ever since. But a prophecy was given against Satan at that in that chapter of the Bible that said, "Satan, you may have." won a a temporary little battle here, but you will not win the war, hallelujah, because there's going to arise out of the woman a conquering seed who is going to bruise your head. He's going to smash your head. He's going to destroy everything that you want to do. And right now, we're seeing God all over the world destroying the work of the enemy and one day, Jesus is coming back again and he is going to put an end to everything that the enemy has been trying to do against us as nations and even against your own life. Then it says, Adam's likeness, now efface. That simply means What I inherited from Adam, the sin nature, God, give me power and authority over it. Help me to overcome that part of me that wants to continually sin. Instead, stamp thine image in its place. Instead of my heart being a place where sin uh, uh, wants to dwell and rebellion wants to dwell, God, let your spirit just fill me, from, a, from above. In fact, second Adam from above. Now that may sound like a, a strange uh, terminology. That's a reference to Jesus Christ again. Just as Adam, from Adam came the sin that we all inherited. The songwriters taking up what the Apostle Paul called Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He called him there the second Adam. Why did he call him a second Adam? Because he was going to be the originator of something brand new. What Adam had done that brought destruction, Jesus has come to bring eternal life and to bring new victory and overcoming power to his people everywhere around the world. And so the songwriter says, second Adam from heaven, second Adam from above, reinstate us, make us right with God, God, again, hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Now that's the theology of just one verse, of just one carol, Christmas carol, that we used to sing a lot in America. But in our secular society today, we don't hear much of it. These, These songs that dealt with God's desire to fix the sin problem within us have been largely ignored. And, and now we are more comfortable talking about Christmas being all about family. And it's fuzzy and it's warm and it's cute. So I just wanna go on record today to remind you that family is not the primary reason for the season. Jesus is the primary reason for the season. This season does give us great opportunity to reconnect with our family. Some of us over thousands of miles, they've traveled to us or we to them. But the primary message of Christmas is that a new relationship with God is now possible because of this baby that had been born in this manger with the shadow of the cross hanging over him. Now over the last several weeks, we talked with you about some of the great truths and the great promises that are found in the Christmas story. So today, I want to wrap up, so to speak, this this season, this series, by highlighting just a few of the most important truths that came to us out of the Christmas story. And I want you to look at it this way, that this is, these are God's promises, these are God's gifts that you can unwrap Every day of your new year, every single day of your new year, you can unwrap these truths, these promises from God. The first one I want to take you to is Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is the promise of the gift of his presence with you every single day of your year and I know if you've if you've walked with the Lord for a while you've heard it over and over again and Emmanuel means God with us but folks sometimes I don't think we realize what that really means we're talking we're not talking here about a, a religion we are talking here about the God of the universe who spoke it all into existence is offering to you to go with you every single day every moment of every single day in your new year there ought to be a that comes out of our hearts that says thank you Jesus. They're going to go with me through everything that I'll be facing in this new year. He's the one who spoke it all into existence. He is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting the same. He never changes. He is the one who offers unfailing love to all of his children. He's the one who has the power to speak into your life. Be healed and you will be healed from every disease and sickness that comes your way. He's the one who can turn the sin-sick soul into a life that is filled with abundance, joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's the one who can overwhelm your fear with a perfect love that casts out all fear. He's the one who is offering peace into your troubled life, a peace that passes understanding. That's the God who's saying, I will be with you every day of your new year. He's the one who says, I will never leave you and I will will never forsake you. Thank God for family. Thank God for friends. But folks, you're probably going to hit a circumstance in your life next year where your husband, your wife, or your kids can't do anything for you but pray. It will take a miracle from God to see you through that. Aren't you glad that you have the promise you can unwrap the gift of God's presence? I will be with you in the middle of all of it. He is the one who has promised to us in Isaiah chapter 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames scorch you, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One, your Savior. Claim it today. Unwrap the gift today as you get ready to move into your new year. Secondly, from Luke chapter 1, verse 37, The word of God says, nothing is impossible with God. It's the gift of God's miracle into your life. You need a miracle? God wants to give you a miracle. You know, over the next several days, hours probably now, you will be making some some resolutions. uh, Things that you want to improve about your life. Now, the truth is, many of you have given up on making resolutions and the reason you don't give make resolutions anymore is it's not that the resolution isn't important it's not that you don't need to change it's that you've given up believing you can change you've given up believing that anything will change in your life and that speaks to the fact of how difficult resolutions are to keep you know I suppose if they were easy to keep we wouldn't have to make resolutions we'd already be doing them if they were easy the fact that they're difficult and we have to make resolutions speaks to how difficult they are to keep For most people, resolutions are kind of a heavy burden at best. Now the problem isn't with the resolution. The problem is with us. It's not that the resolution isn't a worthy goal. The problem is with us and our inability to keep the resolution, right? It's tough to keep the resolution, why? Because you've developed habits that take you away from the best. And those habits are hard to break. It's kind of like, just think of it this way. Let's say you own a speedboat and and you live on, on a huge body of water and you have this speedboat and you want to go from where you're at to the other side of this body of water, this huge lake. And... And so you start out in your speedboat and you're cruising along and the and the and the lake is like glass. It's just beautiful, you know, it's just a perfect boat riding day, you know, and you're out there and you're buzzing along and And you decide, I'm going to relax. And so you put on the cruise control. And so you have the direction set and you have the speed set and the boat's doing all the work. And it's just cruising you right along. And about halfway across the lake, you realize, I left my wallet back home. I got to have my wallet. And so you grab a hold of the wheel and you start turning. And for some reason, it's really hard to turn the boat. Now you can, you can muscle it, you can, you can turn the wheel and, and it starts to go reluctantly but it's fighting you all the way and eventually you get the boat to turn around and you're heading the direction that you want to go but it's a battle all the way. It's not that the direction you wanted to go or retreat from is bad, it's simply that you forgot to turn off the cruise control and so it fights you all the way that you're trying to make This change in the direction of your life, that's very much like habits. Habits are like cruise control for us. They become so easy, we do them without thinking about it, right? Boy, you're you're doing it. You're, You're just going along. And all of a sudden, you come to a new year, and you say, hey, I want to do better with my life, and so I'm going to make a new year's resolution. And you step out into the new year, and you're fighting it all the way you're fighting it all the way. You know you gotta change, but you're fighting because inside you wanna do what you've been doing. And it's easy to do what you've been doing, but it's a battle to try to change your life. And we all face that. I face that. You face that. It's something that 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 we all face in life. And it's because you've got to turn off the cruise control, that cursed cruise control that wants to take you the wrong direction. Uh, you, You can't do it. You can't win. But with God all things are possible. And this is where he comes into your new year and says, listen, I've got something for you. Maybe in your past, in yourself, you can't do anything about this old habit, this old tendency that keeps pulling you towards the wrong way to live your life. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, God says, I have the ability to break the stronghold off of your life you can be a new man you can be a new woman you can be a new person because I will give you deliverance it's called deliverance that God wants to speak into your life and wants to bring to your life I can't help you I can't change you you can't change yourself but the power of God who says nothing is impossible with God that's what can change your life you say well preacher I don't know if I believe that and fair enough I understand you, but what I want you to understand is that this is what the Christmas story is all about. How can a virgin conceive a child? It's impossible. But that's what God spoke into that impossible situation. Nothing is impossible with God, and she gave birth to that child, and a transformation happened to the whole human race because of it. It's the gift of a miracle that God wants you to unwrap every single day of 2018, the gift of the impossible. What Satan tells you cannot happen. God wants to speak into your life and say, listen, there's a change coming. Lord, I believe you've got something special for me this new year. Amen? Let's give him praise in the house of God today. So don't forget to unwrap the present of a miracle every single day of 2018. Thirdly, from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. I want us to look at that last the last sentence there in that verse. It's it, that's what grabbed my attention. We saw his star in the east. What was it they were they were getting from God? They were getting direction from God. And this is God's promise of guidance. As you get ready to move into this new year with all its uncertainty, you need more than your clever mind. You need the direction of God for your life. Because God will lead you and guide you in the way that you should go if you will follow him. If you go off bullheaded on your own, say, well, this is what I want. Well, then that's what you're going to get. And it may sound real great right right at first. And then everything will blow up in your face because it's the devil's trap. You've got to have the guidance of God in your life. Unwrap the package of God's promise of guidance. Now, it seems to me that many people miss the point of the star. I, I was reading, I'm not gonna go into the details of it, but a European astrologer by the name of Johannes Kepler, he kind of promoted the idea that the Bethlehem star was caused by a confluence of, of two planets, Saturn and Jupiter together in the skies and it caused this, this uh, visual effect that we call the Bethlehem star. More recently, astronomers say that it may have been caused by a giant thermonuclear space explosion. But the truth is, nobody really knows what caused the star to appear. Personally, I know I'm simple. Personally, I believe God just put it there. You say, well, why would God just put it? That is really simple. Why would God just, because he wanted three wise guys, wise men, Got me to thinking about hamburgers. Wise guy's hamburgers. Oh, never mind. (laughs) Okay, three three wise men. He he, he wanted three wise men to be an intricate part of the birth of the Messiah. And so he popped this star in the sky in order to guide it and direct them. So whether God uses scriptures or whether he uses a sermon or whether he uses prayer or whether he uses a song or a thermonuclear explosion in space. Whatever God wants to use. His gift to you in the new year is guidance. It's direction. And with it comes the sense of his will. Doing his will. So what I'm saying to you is you don't have to live 2018 not knowing why you're here and not knowing where you're going. You don't. You can live with a perfect peace in your spirit and a knowledge that God will guide you every step, opening, and this is what I love, it's it's found in Revelation chapter three that he will open doors that no man can shut. I want you to begin to confess that over your life in 2018. God, I'm ready to follow you and I'm gonna watch you open doors that are so miraculous no man can shut. Lastly, from Matthew 121, The word says, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is the gift of salvation. The late Paul Harvey, great radio commentator, I know some of you are probably too young to remember him, but the late Paul Harvey used to, every Christmas season, read on his radio program what he called a modern parable around Christmas time. And this is what he read, he was not a Scrooge, he was a good and decent man, generous to his family, upright in his dealing with others, but as a modern thinker, seeking complex answers to life situations, he just could not accept the simple story of Christmas, the God born a man in a manger story. To him, the incarnation stuff the church espoused was beyond belief, it just didn't make sense, and he was too honest to pretend that he believed what he didn't. On Christmas Eve, as the family was preparing to leave for a midnight service of candles and carols at the nearby church, he informed them that he would not be going. I'd be a hypocrite, he said, so he stayed and they went. Shortly after they'd gone, snow began to fall. He stood by the window in the front room and he watched the flakes grow bigger and bigger before retreating to his fireside chair to read the newspaper. Moments later, he was startled by a loud thunk, and then another, and still another. Kids throwing snowballs, he thought to himself, yet it didn't exactly sound like snowballs. And besides, what kids would be out playing at this time of night? Going to the door and opening it, he saw a flock of birds huddled miserably in the deepening snow. They had apparently been caught out in the unexpected snowstorm, and in an effort to find shelter, had tried to uh, fly through the large picture window. What to do? He couldn't just leave them lie there, but what could he do? Then with a flash of inspiration, he thought of the barn where his kids stabled their pony beside the house. That would provide a safe, warm place. Grabbing his coat, he walked outside to the old barn, then threw open the creaking wooden doors and he turned on the light, but the birds did not go in. Food, he said out loud. Food will entice them. So running back to the house, he found some breadcrumbs his wife had been planning to use to make croutons for the big meal the next day. He proceeded to make a trail of bread leading to the barn. Still, the birds did not go in. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them by walking all around them, waving his arms. But they scattered in every direction except toward the barn door. Then it dawned on him, they are afraid of me. To them I'm a strange, mysterious creature. If only I could tell them I'm trying to help, that they can trust me. If only I could mingle with them and speak their language. If only I could become a bird so they could hear, see, and understand. Maybe then they would follow me into the safe, warm barn. Just then he heard the church bells in the distance ringing out the tune to the familiar carol, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. It seemed like a message meant just for him. His doubts melted in a flame of insight and he fell to his knees in the snow. That's who Jesus is. Jesus came to us so that we could go to God safely. But Satan battles us, doesn't he? He can make us feel so unworthy I don't know about you, but I so many times in my life have had to battle that thought of how unworthy I am of God's mercies and goodness in my life. Reminds me of the story of an old Scottish preacher who was finishing giving communion to the people of his church on Christmas Eve when he noticed a young woman weeping and sobbing at the communion rail. He approached her and said, won't you come and have communion? But she pulled back And tears once again filled her eyes. But with love, the old Scottish preacher said, Take it, lass. It's for sinners. Take it. It's for sinners. You'll never be good enough, you'll never be worthy. I can't claim God's guidance in my life. I'm not worthy. I can't claim a miracle in my life. I certainly can't ask Jesus to save me. I'm not worthy. But that's what he's offering. Take the love. Take the healing. Take the forgiveness. It's for you. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to measure up. It's God saying, because of Jesus, I'll make you worthy, I'll change your heart, I'll change your spirit, I'll make you a new person, and you'll be worthy in me, in Christ, you'll be worthy. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.